Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. Well, today it's quite a noisy day when it comes to the news headlines. And of course, concerns over financial stability are easing. And investors will be preparing for the Fed's interest rate decision tomorrow morning. So how much will the Fed take into account what's been playing out in the banking sector? While well, Wall Street has just marked its second day of gains ahead of that FOMC announcement. So let's check in with Sutrin. She is the head of macro strategy and menu life investment management. Morning, Sue. Hi, Ryan. It's a pleasure to join you and your Money FM <laughs> this morning. It's always great having you on the show, Sue. So you've got your eye watching very closely all the developments in the past. Well, so much has happened, I would have to say. <laughs> Where do we start? So let's start with how there appears to be some calm returning to markets. Is this actually the calm perhaps before the storm when we get the FOMC meeting? It is an extraordinary time to be in financial markets currently. There is just so much going on. Um, Much relief has uh, really set across the markets as it relates to concerns about financial stability relative to, say, a week ago. And that's a a result of the very quick response from policymakers to deliver emergency liquidity, um, guarantee deposits. Uh, So uh, attention now really turns to the FOMC rate decision this evening for uh, Asia. And uh, the FOMC heading into that faces a difficult choice given a higher than expected inflation reading in February, still strong labour market, um, these recent concerns about financial stability as well. Um, we think that the FOMC will be increasing the federal funds rate by 25 basis points. Um, beyond the rate decision itself, uh, some key uh, questions that we have in mind that we would like answered would be to what extent will the Fed separate its financial stability responsibilities from its price stability mandate? Um, some in the markets think that those two issues are at cross purposes with one another. Um, secondly, will the Fed push back against market expectations of imminent rate Mm. cuts this year? And then thirdly, is the Fed even reassured by recent disinflationary dynamics that we're seeing in some of the other numbers uh, away from the headline CPI inflation reading? Yeah, so those are really tough questions to answer right now. And as you pointed out, it's going to be a toss-up between financial stability versus the fight against inflation. Um, What is the situation when it comes to inflation right now in the US? How sticky is it right now? It's quite sticky. When we look at um, the PCE core inflation measure, for instance, that's tracking around 4 to 5%, so more than twice uh, that 2% target or implied target. Um, So the Fed uh, really is um, caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, Now, expectations of a dovish pivot, uh, we have a lot of sympathy with that view, but um, I would say that when you go back the last 20, 30 years, dovish pivots have occurred when that PCE core inflation has been below 2%. And as I said, uh, we're currently more than two and a half times above 2%. So a really uh, tricky balancing act for the Federal Reserve. Yeah, balancing act and consider the labour market. That's a very interesting picture because in the headlines, you've got layoffs. At the same time, you also have reports about how people are struggling to find workers. So in some sense, it's a mixed bag. So how do you read into what's playing out here? We think that um, the the balance of risks, when we we take those uh, issues into account, I would suggest that the Federal 
Federal Reserve probably has another one or two rate hikes to go the cycle. And after that, uh, we would expect the Fed to, to really pause and await and assess the impact of its tightening cycle. Bear in mind that the full impact of the monetary tightening normally doesn't manifest in the economic numbers until around 12 to 18 months after the fact. And we're barely 12 months into this tightening cycle. So uh, we think some weakness in the data would be expected um, in the next three to six months. Okay, so I'm looking at some possible slowdown when it comes to rate hikes and I'm looking at the dollar right now. Over the past year, it's up 4% or 4.7% on the dollar index. In your view, do you think the dollar has peaks when it comes to its strength? Where does it go from here? Sure. We, we've argued that it's been too early to call a structural peak in the US dollar and the price action over the last 12 months uh, really does validate um, that stance. And following the recent banking drama, um, consensus has once again doubled down on this bearish bias. Uh, broadly speaking, the market is looking for around 10 or 11% depreciation from here. And that's based on the expectation that the Federal Reserve might be very near to the peak of its tightening cycle. Uh, in that regard, I would caution that a peak in US yields is a necessary condition for a turn in the US dollar, but it is not a sufficient condition. Uh, for sustained dollar depreciation, we would need to see US economic growth underperform the rest of the world and for US interest rate differentials to narrow versus the rest of the world. And neither dynamic appears manifest for the time being. Yeah, we're chatting with Sue Trin. She is the head of macro strategy for Manulife Investment Management. Now, Sue, turn our attention to your view on markets right now. So I'm looking at banks and they are in the new for all the wrong reasons these days. How <laughs> optimistic are you when it comes to putting your money in banks? Well, we do think that perhaps while we wait for dust to settle, the prudent thing would be to uh, really take a more of a, of a cautious approach. Uh, but we are encouraged by how quickly policymakers really moved to ring fence the contagion or the potential contagion. Uh, and then when we look to our region, um, the prospects for a contagion to Asia, we think that the problems with the US and European banks don't really apply um, to Asia. And that's partly because Asia has not seen the same degree of policy tightening as we've seen in the West. And the deposit base is stickier. The largest Asian mm -hmm. financial firms are mostly state-owned. And thus, we're unlikely to see the same extent of deposit outflow risk as compared to Western counterparts. Liquidity ratios are also much higher um, much more important for uh, the Asian um, bank outlook would be the US dollar funding condition and the US dollar itself. And, and to that, really, the FOMC tonight is going to be crucial. Yeah, of course, um, the interest rate margins have also been helping banks to some extent, but that's also expected to slow down. So that won't be as beneficial this year to them. A mixed bag, really. Um, again, we're awaiting uh, the dust to settle. We're encouraged by what we've seen to date, and given the sense of calm um, descending upon markets, uh, that that view does seem to be validated. I say that cautiously, however. But uh, again, it all comes down to the FOMC. If we see a much more hawkish than expected Federal Reserve, if the dot plot comes in higher than the December summary of economic projections, the market may not react uh, too well to that development. Yeah, so I'm just looking back at some of the projections starting the year, you're looking at some economic weakness perhaps for places where they might be more sensitive to interest rates like Canada, Australia, New Zealand and the UK. But the UK now no longer expects to be in a recession. So fast forward three months on from those assumptions, have things actually improved when it comes to the economic picture? 
Um, our base case before the recent developments in the banking system was for a global recession uh, led by advanced economies within the next 12 months. That did seem hard to believe for some people when the January numbers came in so strong across the world. And what we would say uh, to that that the impact of tightening to take some time to hit the real economy. And so we would anticipate that the next three to six months would involve uh, some deterioration in uh, global economic uh, activity figures. And um, the recent banking dramas actually does reinforce uh, our base case of a global recession happening within the next 12 months. So uh, don't be fooled by the, the economic numbers to mm. date. They are lagged indicators. Um, we're more, much more uh, focused on the leading indicators, which still point towards deterioration. All right, so lagging indicators. Um, so something to watch out for. And of course, looking ahead, where do you think is the best place to park money right now when it comes to allocation? Well, in terms of geographics, uh, we do think that Asia has a lot of potential when, uh, if and when the dust settles. Uh, when we look at growth differentials, Asia uh, is expected to see a significant improvement and widening versus not just developed uh, economies, but also emerging market pairs. Uh, then when you look at the inflation situation, far less acute than what we see in the rest of the world. In fact, some central banks in the region have already engaged in, in a dovish pivot. Um, look at Vietnam, for instance, and, and Thailand has also so uh, looks like it's done in terms of its tightening cycle. So some very encouraging signs there. And um, that suggests uh, asymmetric risk to the upside for capital uh, inflows to the region. All right. We've been chatting Sue Trin. She is the Head of Macro Strategy for Manulife Investment Management. Sue, thank you so much for your time and for a great day ahead. Thank you, Ryan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.